I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, Jenna and I talk about the four spiritual types and which one you might fall into. didn't understand cloning so i said that makes two of us (laughs) tony told me that one this morning that's really good i like that (laughs) hello hi everyone welcome to episode 43 it's good to be with all of you um jenna you want to do your peak pit plug so my peak this week was getting to take family photos um which is really fun and they came out really really cute and really pretty um, and we, I just, I need to be better about printing them though. I'm the kind of person that we take photos all the time and then I don't print them. Mm. And it's like, so they don't end up anywhere around the go. house. Yeah. Yeah. I have so a I really pretty folder on my computer. Yeah. It's really <laughs> nice to like click through or go on my phone and think about how nice that was. Um, my pit is that my weekends and have, my days off mostly have been taken up by a lot of work. So they're not really days off. Um, and especially this upcoming weekend and in the coming week is super crazy busy because we have confirmation mass and we have rehearsal and we have all these dinners, like volunteer appreciation dinners, which is yay, joy. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you. We appreciate you. But I don't want to have dinner right now. Um, so it's just a lot this week. So I'm not really looking forward to just the, the crazy and the busy and not being able to be home at night with my family. Mm. So... It's okay. We will get through it. And then my plug is Leah Darrow has um, this new program, I guess. Uh, it's called Lux U, and it's Lux University, where she has put out a lot of resources and, and videos and, um, like, scripture studies and different, um, like, weekly videos on certain topics. Mm. And so, like, one topic is, like, a six-week a series on beauty and another topic is like a six-week series on a different theology thing and so it's been really really fruitful for me to watch those videos and get to sit down and kind of do like a scripture study and reflect and have some kind of guided reflection because my life right now is so chaotic and unguided <laughs> and it's nice to just kind of sit down for a moment and reflect so if you want to check it out it just go to leah darrow um and her website and then or just type in Lux U and it'll pop up so, it's cool. Nice. Or her Instagram. There's a link in there. On the gram. Woo! Um, my, I almost said, my name is Matt, like I'm in a support group. Um, so, uh, my peak this week, uh, there have been a lot of peaks. Um, people who know me or listen to this know that I've lost 45 pounds, basically. So. What? Well, wait, I knew that, but yeah. like it didn't register, I don't think. Yeah, a lot. With no working out... Yeah, I beat the system <laughs> and and eating a lot more than I used to. So maybe we'll do an episode about how I did that one time. Um, or I'll write a blog about it. Anyways, that's been great. <laughs> and, then, and also, my wife got a full-time job at Saddleback. A she did! tenure-track professor Yay! job. So yeah, that's amazing. That's um, awesome. And at the same time, her parents are planning on getting a place down here so they can uh, be closer and help us with Hannah. So that God awesome. just lined so many things up for that to happen at the right time. So that's amazing. Uh, my pit is that um, I spilled water all over my laptop last week. And it died. And, oh, no, is this a new one? Uh, well, I didn't know if I was going to get all the data back, but I did. So, praise the Lord, that happened. And, um, yeah, that was just really a godsend because awesome. I had not backed up my computer in a year. So, back up your computers right now while yeah. you're listening to this. Um, <clears throat> and then, peak... Um, I kept thinking we were going to do Joy Junk Jesus, but we don't do that anymore. So I was preparing Jesus moment, which became my joy. So pl- a plug is um, being, I, I want to encourage you to get in a small group or a Bible study if you're not. Um, our young adult Bible study at the parish where I work, I still go and I just love going. We just have really animated, good 
um, like authentic discussions. And it's important, I think, to have an avenue for that in your life where you can just talk about your faith, especially in the things going on in the world and culture right now that are very like heartbreaking or difficult for Catholics and maybe Catholics fall all over the spectrum um, of what they have to say about it. It's nice to have a good, safe environment to just kind of talk civilly and like really say what you're feeling and not feel like you have to tiptoe around anyone's feelings. So mm-hmm. finding an avenue where you can do that and just kind of like release um, and Catholic Twitter does not count. Um, you need to, it needs to be a small group or Bible study. So face to face. Yeah. Face to face and something constructive. Anyways. Um, uh, <laughs> so Jenna, what are we talking about today so, on episode 43? I can't believe there's 43 episodes. First there of is. All. You should go back and listen to 42 other episodes of Mana Food for Thought on manafoodforthought.com slash podcasts. <laughs> Yep, do that. <laughs> okay. Um, as well as read our weekly gospel oh or psalm reflection on our blog page at <laughs> manafoodforthought.com slash blog, I think. I don't know what the page header is. <laughs> Thing. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about different prototypes and then different temperaments um, of, our character, of our person. But Jenna, we're Catholic. There's one way to pray and everyone else does it wrong. That's right. Never mind. Episode 43 is over. I was saying that as like, maybe that's something that people think. No, I know. Is that wrong? (laughs) Hint, hint. Yes. Tell us why. (laughs) Yes, it is wrong. Um, Because we we have different... Oh, well, God made us all unique and different. And so to say that only one prayer type and only one prayer experience is the right way and that it should fit for everybody is wrong. It is not going to work for everybody. Um, Because I personally don't love... I don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, what I don't love. What do I not love? Uh, I don't uh, like do not Liturgy like? of the Hours. Yeah. I can't get into Liturgy of the Hours. Yeah, I, I like it every either. now and then, like or like taking like one of them and reflecting, but like once every like six months. Like, yeah. you know. So like that's just not something that's part of my charism. Yeah. And there's not a I think in the Catholic world there can be like we we're talking about this at the Bible study I was at last night, about like Catholic trendiness and how it's not like authentic to your own personal journey towards sainthood if you're trying to be like the catholic trendy person or do what everyone else is doing then you're just going to end up praying in a way that might not be fruitful for you and so if people don't pray the way that maybe everyone else is if it's still prayer like it's that's good Mm -hmm. and so it's fine to say like i don't really get anything out of this you know maybe it may be that you don't understand it Yes. So don't take that because like someone can look up at the Sistine Chapel and say like, oh, this is terrible. I don't get it. But that might be because they don't appreciate art or they don't understand like the gravity of what, you know, went into creating something like that. So if they take some time to understand it and then they're still like, yeah, this still isn't my thing, though. Like I'm inspired by other stuff. Then that's a more educated decision to make. Mm -hmm. So we want to caveat all this by saying you should try a lot of different things because we have a very rich prayer and spiritual tradition in the Catholic faith. But it's totally okay to say, like, that doesn't work for me, you know? And that these things are not going to be tried and true for the rest of your life. You're going to change spiritual types throughout your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to change things that are more effective or less effective for you. And praise God that we have, like, thousands of different ways to pray as Catholics. And Mm -hmm. so one day I might be, like, all about the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, I'm surprised that I'm not because I'm a very routine-oriented person. But I think that works for the rest of my life so I can be disciplined in that so I can have a lot of free time for prayer to kind of like treat prayer as play instead of like a plan, you know, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. So maybe you feel the same or maybe you're the opposite of me. But luckily, there are many types, and we'll learn about there those today. So, Jenna, tell us about the types. Yeah, so there's different types, and and what's beautiful about this is that we can like recognize our strengths and our weaknesses, and um, where we're like really really good at prayer, and where we maybe need some work, or maybe it's not benefiting you, and so you need to change it up. Um, and typically, I think what's what's funny when we say like prayer assessment or even personality assessment, we're, we really suck at um, assessing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's really good to have these things and not try and cheat the system and be one thing because you think it sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it really shows who you are, not who you are, but like what you are good at or how you're good at praying or what you're best at praying and like where, where your soul is really going to soar. And yeah. really gonna grow closer to the Lord, and where your soul maybe is gonna like, kind of 
get bored. Um, and so there's four different types. There's Ignatian, Franciscan, um, Augustinian, and Thomistic. And so we're going to kind of go through each one and show different ways that maybe um, these different prayer types like to pray. And we'll, we'll really... Um, what the, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like... Not sore, because it's a weird way to say it. Thrive. Grow, thrive. Thank you. Thrive in that prayer type. Jeez, why are words hard? <laughs> um, so the first time is it, first one is Ignatian prayer type, and this prayer type tends to be driven by duty and obligation, um, and they're very connected to tradition, and they are very past oriented and rooted. And so generally, they're practical um, with like a and they have a really good strong work ethic. Now, St. Ignatius, he loved to make the Bible come alive. And so maybe you've heard this prayer type before of the Ignatian prayer, where you or choose... Ignatian spiritual exercises. Thank yeah. you. Um, um, you choose <clears throat> a passage of the Bible, and then you invite the Holy Spirit as you read, and you think and you pray. And then you consider kind of where the scene takes place, maybe what does it smell like, um, who's involved in the scene, what do you touch, what can you hear... Um, what can you taste? And so basically it's it's using your imagination. So somebody that ha- that um, is an Ignatian prayer type, they really thrive using this kind of prayer type. Um, and they really it really draws them closer to the Lord. So if you fall into this prayer type, using the Ignatian kind of prayer really, really works. And so um, also using the liturgical calendar for mm-hmm. them is really, really good. Um, and having a really regimen prayer um, and so organized prayer basically is really fruitful for them. Yeah. So if you, if you really like appreciate the fact that we have seasons in our liturgical calendar, like Lent and Advent and Christmas and Easter and different focuses, um, different seasons of prayer that maybe, um, can correlate with the seasons of your life that you're going through. That's a very Ignatian way of praying because you're imagining yourself in different places in scripture, you're really allowing it to come alive in a new way. So this prayer style is really like about engaging your senses, but in your imagination, Mm -hmm. not necessarily physically, but you're thinking about like, okay, if I was in this biblical scene, or if I was journeying with Christ at this moment in his life, um, what, what would my senses be picking up? And you imagine yourself there and you notice new things. Um, and this can be very fruitful. I was doing a, um, Ignatian reflection once on the Annunciation. <clears throat> and I realized doing that reflection that it never says what time of day it is or where Mary is. And yet we always imagine her because this is every movie we've ever seen at night in her house. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that Ignatian prayer, I was like, well, what if it was the middle of the day and she was in a field? And it just like changed my whole scene of that. And it really just came alive in a very personal way. It was like, wow, I've never, I never imagined what this could look like before. I just assumed it was the way I had contempt, I typically seen it portrayed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we, you know, movies or shows or, you know, art takes liberties um, with their own interpretation that we just adopt without just thinking about first like, oh, what, you know, how could my experience be different, you know, of journeying with Christ in that way. So in that way, Ignatian prayer can be very personal um, and very effective for people who, who uh, go toward that prayer type. Yeah. And it's, it's a good way to pray also to be, just because, like you said, Matt, it kind of gives you a new perspective, um, you know, in the, in the biblical stories of reflecting, but also in your, your life, like where am I um, not being attuned to these things? <clears throat> um, so that's the first one. Then we have the Franciscan prayer type, which I fall into this um, prayer type. And so the Franciscan prayer type is um, a prayer that experiences Christ through the senses. So... I know we just kind of talked about that a little bit, but this is a little different. This is physical senses, yes. not imaginative senses. Yes. So it's like, um, kind of being, the, for Franciscans, for me especially, I love to be out in nature. And so being out in nature for me draws me closer to the Lord because I get to see the glory and the beauty that God has created. And so for somebody that is a Franciscan prayer type, they're typically very optimistic and they see beauty and goodness and love everywhere they go. Um, and so for them, typically acts of loving service can be the most effective form of prayer. Um, they have a very deep love for the incarnation because through the incarnation, God became visible and tangible 
in the person of Jesus Christ. And so it kind of ties into that experiencing God through the senses that we um, were able to experience Christ because of the incarnation. So um, typically they need something that's tangible and physical to aid them in prayer, such as sacramentals, incense, um, or movement in prayer. That's probably why I move a lot and sway a lot when I'm worshiping yeah. and doing prayer instead of just like standing there. Um, and typically for them, prayer is very spontaneous. They don't really like rigid prayer. Um, they're driven by praise and gratitude. And um, rigid routine kind of restricts a Franciscan prayer type. And often simple conversations with Jesus is more fruitful than some kind of organized um, reflection or reading off a prayer. Yeah. I And I think a charismatic type of prayer tends toward this one because it's yeah. very engaged with the person of the Holy Spirit, um, which is very sensory, um, very mm-hmm. engaged in, you know, how we're interacting with the world today and how God is guiding our church today. Um, the Holy Spirit being very alive in that. And so that kind of free flowing uh, sensory prayer. So if you really like to actually like physically touch or have the icon there or like Jenna was saying with sacramentals or like the smells and the bells of prayer and Catholicism if that really appeals to you um, this could be a prayer type that you really uh, align with mm-hmm. what's cool is that um, I haven't been able to do this because I currently don't have a home but it's fine um, <laughs> um, having a prayer corner where you can light incense and you can maybe light a candle that's always something that's been big for me is that Putting myself in that frame of mind of prayer, lighting a candle like sets the mood for me. Mm-hmm. And just being able to kind of focus on the flame for some reason. Um, so having those things present so that it kind of draws you deeper and you have that physical aspect for prayer is really good. Um, and uh, the rosary was actually, even though it's it kind of falls into that organized routine of prayer, the rosary was really, really beneficial to me for a very long time. It's still beneficial, but it's not part of my daily routine um, because it was something to hold and to walk <coughs> through and a journey through the scriptures with. Yeah, and so. the point of the rosary is not necessarily to focus on every single prayer, but to contemplate the mystery. Mm-hmm. And so um, in a way, it's kind of a blending between Ignatian and Franciscan prayer where you're imagining yourself in the mystery, mm-hmm. in the scene, but you have something tangible to reflect on Um, and it's contemplative which is more typical of a couple other of the styles so not every single type of prayer necessarily just fits in one Um, that's why like I think the rosary is a lot more popular of a prayer practice than the liturgy of the hours because the liturgy of the hours is just um, it's it's can be very beautiful and fruitful for the people that do it but it's just it's a structured reflective prayer on the psalms and it's call and response it has its same structure all the time whereas the rosary it it uh, encompasses a lot of different aspects of prayer, you know, imaginative, physical, um, you know, reflective, all these different things, which, so don't feel like if you're one particular prayer type, something outside of your prayer type is going to not be fruitful or that you only you're like, Oh, I found out that I'm Ignatian. So I just need to do this. You know, it's like, you can make other forms of prayer more Ignatian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to keep that in mind as well. Yep. So the next one is Augustinian prayer type. Um, and this type is generally optimistic and creative, um, communicating and listening well, and they kind of have big feelings and they're people oriented, um, which makes them quite conflict adverse. So they're idealistic by nature and they hunger for perfection <coughs> and future oriented and they're very future oriented. So, um, they use their imagination a lot, um, by transposing words of the scripture to apply it to the situation of today. So it's a little bit different than um, like Ignatian prayer where you're reflecting and you're being in the scene of the passage. This one is, okay, these words kind of come alive from scripture and they apply to my day today and imagining how they apply to your day today and that situation today. Um, They typically need more time of prayer that is quiet meditation. and then it's very much one-on-one time with God for Augustinian. Yeah, so this is my prayer type. I'm an Augustinian. So I love doing Lectio Divina. I love journaling, um, spending quiet time, quiet meditation and prayer. Um, and I think a lot of that also comes with the fact that Augustinians tend to be more like, I don't know, imaginatively loud or creatively loud or even 
personality loud. Mm -hmm. And so in prayer, learning how to quiet ourselves is what can usually be very fruitful. But still having something that is in that creative avenue where you're actually like tangibly doing something like journaling or Lexio Divina um, really helps. Mm -hmm. So um, if you if you think like Ignatian engages the imagination or the imaginative brain, um, Franciscan engages the physical senses, Augustinian, I would say, kind of engages the heart. Like you're really, and none of those are better than the other, but it's just like, it's very um, emotion, feeling based. Like, what does this mean for me? Making it very personal in that way, through that avenue. Um, and, and kind of expressively as well. Um, I think praise and worship tends to be a little bit more oriented toward Augustinian prayer types, but also Ignatian, depending on how you're entering into praise and worship. If you're entering into praise and worship thinking like, how is this, how are these lyrics impacting me? Um, yeah. and really like, what are they evoking in me? That might be a little bit more Ignatian because you're imagining, you know, scenes of what the songs you're describing. Um, if you like being in the midst of the sound and the swaying, like you said, that would be more Franciscan. Yeah. Um, if you really just like the expressiveness of that, then that might be more Augustinian. So as I said, with the rosary, um, you know, those things can all be, certain things can apply to each one. It's just more of recognizing, I don't need to do this the way the people on my left and right are doing it. I can be authentic to who I am um, in this prayer type. And so, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a really big point that we didn't make in the beginning. <clears throat> I mean, we kind of touched on it, but I think so often we kind of get discouraged because we look left and right and we see what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And we see how their faith is thriving and growing. And we think that, oh, maybe if I apply that practice of what they're doing, I will then thrive in that same way. And recognizing that you have a different prayer type and that you are going to um, encounter the Lord in a different, unique way is really important. And so not to do that, like, oh, what's everybody else doing? And is it mm -hmm. working for them? But recognizing where is my heart <clears throat> lying? What do I need? Where um, do my dry bones need to be breathed back into life? And then seeing how um, that works best. And so that's going to mean that you're going to try a ton of different stuff and you're going to fail at a lot of different things that don't work until you find that thing that works. And so Matt, I know that for a very long time you've had your journals and you've mm -hmm. gone through like three or four yeah. different journals now, maybe more. Um, and so just finding that thing that really works for you, but that doesn't mean it's always going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep changing it up and seeing where the Lord is pulling you. So, Cool. Cool. What's the last one? The last one is <laughs> Thomistic prayer type. Um, All the special people. They're cool. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very intellectual um, by nature, and so they'll typically consider virtue as a fault and theological truth. Um, what was I trying to say there? No, consider a virtue or a fault. Like that you'll, they'll like, they yeah, like well, to. Gosh. Words. Go intellectually ahead. reflect on a tip on a different theological idea yes thank you yeah that was written poorly in my notes <laughs> um and so they're very uh, contemplative and they're driven by the love of truth and um, that can lead them to perfection and um they really desperately want to be in control and feel like they need to be in control um oftentimes they have a lot of self-doubt and fear of failure um <coughs> And so it kind of brings them to this competitive nature and <laughs> children screaming. Um, though they're more inclined to mysticism. Mysticism. Um, mystic Why can't I say words? <laughs> I'm done. You know what? No, I'm good. Um, their intellectual approach to situations can at times make them more insensitive. <laughs> I mean, and this... This is not to make this prayer type sound bad because this no. is the people who do this They're well good. are like the type of people who like think of like what's interesting is to mystics and Ignatians actually aren't that different because um, it's just a matter of how you do a kind of a meditation. Person, so yeah. a Thomistic would do more of like a guided intellectual meditation. Like, let me think about this idea from every single angle. Mm -hmm. Let me really reflect on, you know, what happened to Jesus physically in the crucifixion. Whereas the Ignatian person would say, okay, let me really think and reflect on what happened to Jesus in the crucifixion and what it evokes in me. What do I notice? How, how am I reflecting upon that with um, my imagination, which is where, which is different than the Thomistic, which is they're engaging their intellect. Mm -hmm. And so both of them, 
like if like I said, the physical senses for the Franciscan, the heart for the Augustinian. I think the brain or the mind um, for Ignatians and Thomistics is the same, but it's a different like a different side of the brain, yeah. you know, like one is more analytical, like, I don't know which one that is right brained, I think, um, more analytical, um, and then left brain, the more creative, the more imaginative, um, <clears throat> sure, definitely uh, wrong, yeah, okay, <laughs> the front brain and the back brain, the brain, <laughs> so, but you get what we mean, yeah, so, yeah, not to, not to paint to Mystic for, um, type poorly they what's beautiful about them is their search for truth and so Mm -hmm. without people that were Thomistic we would not have like so many like St. Thomas Aquinas yeah he well we wouldn't have Thomistic spirituality without without him (laughs) but like that's where this comes from so think of St. Thomas Aquinas and the findings and the discoveries and the 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 beauty that he brought to our Catholic church because of his his seek for truth and his his draw to the beauty of truth. Yeah, so maybe if you're the type of person that really likes like philosophical conversations, you really love apologetics, you like to be an agent for change. Mm-hmm. Those are all really great qualities of Thomistic um, people, and they really have the op- the ability to just like harness this information that's very persuasive in a very disputatio way that um, Saint Thomas Aquinas would do, where he would. What a um, word. Yeah, well, it's it's a. Uh, the Latin, the Latin word for the type of argument that he would engage in. So like where you make a claim and then you state the counterclaim better than probably your counters would. And then you, um, answer that claim and any counterclaims to that. And just like very, very, uh, in depth in whatever idea or question you're really, um, meditating on or dealing with, um, is more Thomistic. So, you know, those are the, there are four spiritualities and, um, you may not fit cookie cutter into one. Um, but, um, to know that there's this like rich tradition of spiritual life in our church and there's other things that probably aren't fully encompassing that probably blend between the two or two or three of these, like we mentioned. Um, but to really like allow yourself to have the freedom in prayer um, that our rich Catholic prayer tradition allows because there's not one way to pray. That's the beauty of religious orders is that they all decided we want to pray a different way and we want to devote our life to it. Um, and so if there's countless numbers of religious orders, that's how fruitful and rich our prayer tradition is as Catholics. And so if you don't like praise and worship, that's fine. Find something that works for you. If you don't like to mystic prayer, that's fine. Find something that works for you. If you don't like journaling, that's fine. Find something that works for you. Like, and be, be okay and allow yourself to say, I don't want to go to that event or I don't really want to go to this ministry because I, I went before, um, you know, I've, I've explored that. I know what that prayer type is and it just doesn't work for me. Don't just like say, oh, that's not my type. I'm closed off to it. I don't want to do it. Well, explore, you know, you never know how God is going to be stretching you and calling you out of your comfort zone of prayer. But in seasons of our life and based on our personality, which we'll talk about in a moment, we have different temperaments and different personality styles that might align us more with certain characteristics or certain prayer types. Um, And so I know Jenna's going to talk a little bit also about like the medieval prayer types, Mm -hmm. um, because that if you know your prayer type or not the prayer type, your medieval temperament, if you know your temperament, it might allow you to kind of glean which one of these you might be more inclined to. And I'll try and kind of maybe see if I can align them. Um, a little bit for you, but they don't align perfectly, which kind of shows you like, you know, you might be more inclined to one or two of these than just one. Um, And I think in different moods I'm in or different seasons of my life, or just depending on the day of the week, I might wake up a Thomistic that day, you know, and just really want to dive into something. Uh, And depending on the group of people I'm with, the important thing is if it's fruitful. Mm-hmm. Prayer cannot be forced. It must be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And so making sure you're not trying to do something that's just putting you like dead in the water in prayer and really burning you out. Um, that's not something that God wants for you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's four different types of, um, temperaments and these have been studied since 300 BC. So it's not something that one day somebody's like, I'm going to come up with these things. Um, but they've been anal- analyzed since the medieval, um, Times and middle, medieval theologians and spiritual directors have studied these and created them. Um, and so a temperament is different from personality. Now, personalities, um, they're the like behavior of the person. They're the emotions. They're their thought patterns. But a temperament 
is more specifically something that refers to like their natural preferences Mm. um, and their natural tendencies. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. So it's basically how people react to things, not like who they are and their behaviors and their emotions and everything that encompasses somebody's personality. So it's really how people react to stuff. So um, a choleric is somebody that is passionate and intense. Um, They tend to be extreme in whatever they do. And they often kind of elbow their way through a crowd to position themselves to leadership. So think of somebody that's extreme (laughs) in Mm. in their reactions. Um, And so I know Matt has the list in front of him of their strengths and their weaknesses. So we're going to read off kind of the four temperaments and then what some of their strengths are and what some of their weaknesses are. Yeah. So um, cholerics. God bless you guys. I've been in a room full of cholerics before, and I just didn't know what to do. Um, it was very loud, and everyone wanted to be in charge. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of what this is like. Yeah. Great, great, awesome people. Um, cholerics tend to be very practical. They tend to be quick thinkers when something is put in front of them. They troubleshoot well. Uh, they're enthusiastic. They won't give up. They have good ambition. Um, fearless, courageous. They have a passion to win. They're very goal-oriented, decisive, determined, willing to take a risk. Um, But part of the weaknesses of that are they can be easily bored or annoyed. They can get impatient or bossy or arrogant, especially when they're not uh, in charge. Um, Quick-tempered, they can be sarcastic or critical. Um, And so I kind of um, align this um, with St. Paul Mm -hmm. um, that, um, that he, I mean, there are places in scripture where you really just, you can hear the sarcasm just creeping from him, like seeping out of his voice. But he was very good at not giving up, being a troubleshooter, like being goal-oriented, but still would get impatient and would get quick-tempered and might get a little arrogant um, or a little sassy. And so um, if you're St. Paul-oriented, I I kind of align this with um, the Ignatian prayer type. And not for any particular reason other than that reactive nature, that they're so good at reacting to things in the moment that um, and know how to do that well that it's very typical of the ignatian prayer style of reacting to a scene and really experiencing it and experiencing it honestly like allowing yourself to just like you're your own leader through that meditation so you're not being guided by anyone else typically if you allow yourself to do it i mean people will guide you through the meditation so you can learn it but you can do this it's like Mm self-oriented you know like you can do this on your own um and so that's why i kind of tend toward but that those those uh correlations are just my own musings um you know you don't you can be a choleric and a franciscan you know doesn't really make a difference but we're going to try to align them a little bit to maybe if you don't know your spiritual type um but you know your temperament or vice versa it might help you kind of you know figure out what you might be suited for yeah so then there's the phlegmatic um and they are the complete opposite of <laughs> the choleric and so they're more easygoing and relaxed and they tend to be calm steady and rational and for phlegmatics, they're typically less driven by passion um, than their choleric counterparts. So where the choleric, they're ones that are very driven by passion. The phlegmatics are kind of like, well, you know, let's see. And <laughs> so Matt, I know you had uh, correlated him that, that phlegmatics to St. James the Lesser. Yes. So, um, and the reason for that is St. James the Lesser, I mean, it has a very humble title in the first place like very low status, like kind of like not, um, very, um, like in the midst of the fire and everything, but like willing to be the reflective, the one that, um, is not in the stressful situations, like is in control of themselves, of their environment. They're comfortable with themselves. They can stay focused on one thing. Um, and because of that, if you tend toward this, um, temperament, a lot of these people tend to be very dry in their humor, very witty, um, they're very, uh, calm and collected. They're not very reactive emotionally. They're very, um, kind of reactive in a practical way. Um, like, okay, let's look at this. Um, they're very steady and patient for that reason. And that's for that reason, they make really good leaders and good administrators, um, good mediators. Um, they're willing to walk away from an argument if they know it's not going to be fruitful. And so I think to mystics, um, kind of get typically, pointed out as someone who like wants to argue but it's more they're like they're good with conflict they want to really um control an environment where they can 
talk about this in a really um, practical way and an efficient way. And so I kind of align these with Thomistics because um, Thomistics and Ignatians seem opposite, but they're also very similar. And it's the same thing with Collerics and Phlegmatics. They both have leadership qualities, but they have downfalls for both. And so the downfall for Phlegmatics is that they can end up being more inclined to be a watcher rather than a doer. Maybe if they're in a room full of cholerics and they're all doers, you know, <clears throat> it's easier just to kind of like, well, I can control the environment that I'm in if I just take a step back and and just let them do this. And so um, they, for that reason, can sometimes be more stubborn or enthusiastic or not team players. Um, they might struggle with motivating themselves. They might procrastinate a lot or avoid um, responsibilities. They can also be sarcastic. Um, or like complacent or um, critical of people who are expending a lot of energy like cholerics uh, because they're very opposite. And so, um, you know, Thomistics, I think, that fits that well. Like you like to be very in control of looking at one thing from all angles, um, you know, not very um, emotional in the response, but very practical. But when that doesn't or isn't allowed to happen, then the kind of stubbornness can creep in. Um, and it can be very just like, well, this is the way that I am. You know, this is the mm -hmm. way I want to do things. I think Thomistics are very self-aware and Phlegmatics are very self-aware too. Just like, you know, I know who I am and this is not going to work. So, <laughs> yeah. So then there's the Sanguines, which tend to be confident and um, emotionally stable. And with them, they're typically characterized as happy. Um, but what is most significant about them is that their emotions tend to not be extreme um, or they don't dominate them. So I think with like cholerics, their emotions kind of overtake them. Yeah. Often. <clears throat> and sometimes with Thomistics, your thoughts can do that too. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this analogy of like, I say this all the time to people who are siblings of three, but it's a sociological pattern that if you have, if you're one of three, typically... I mean, gender and age disparity can sometimes affect this. But if you're the oldest, you're the achiever. If you're the mid middle, you're the peacemaker. And if you're the youngest, you're the life of the party. Right. So the oldest achiever, those are the Ignatians and the Thomistics. They do that in different ways, mm -hmm. but they like to be in leadership for that way. The peacemaker, we'll talk about in a second, is a Franciscan. But the sanguine and what I would call the Augustinian is the life of the party. And that's my prayer type. So like, and that's not necessarily like, oh, this is the best one. It's just, this is the personality. Like mm -hmm. per someone who's a good storyteller, good sense of humor. Um, someone who um, is able to kind of be demonstrative and emotional in their speech. Um, cheerful. Um, they motivate other people, tend to be more optimistic and energetic. Um, they like spontaneity. Um, creative. Um very charming, um, thriving on compliments and words of affirmation. Um, however, <laughs> we um, have a lot of weaknesses as well, um, just like all of them do. We can sometimes be a compulsive talker. Any of our listeners think that? Um, <laughs> they can have a loud voice and laugh a lot. Um, they can be too happy for some, um, exaggerate or elaborate uh, too much. Um, they can dwell on very trivial matters. Wow, this is really convicting right now as I'm reading this. Um, sometimes they can't remember names. They can be more naive. They can be more restless. They can get angry very easily. Um, very loud or boisterous. Um, sometimes they can be disorganized. That's not me. I, I must get that from some other temperament that I'm like hyper-organized. Um, sometimes they can't relax. They're always on the go. Um, and they need to be center stage. They hate to be alone. They kind of got to be with people to kind of get re-energized. Um, and sometimes because of all those things, they can be more insecure and lack uh, self-esteem because if you're not around people or you're not getting that affirmation, it can be very, um, self-deprecating. Um, yeah. And so this, Peter. this is just so St. Peter, like he... He was willing to just kind of wear his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. like, And he was. He was the person that ended up leading the church. He was the one that everyone followed and had that sense of um, spirit-led leadership that people wanted to be around and that people, like it says in Acts, like we're just waiting for his shadow to fall on them so that they'd be healed or that, you know, the 3,000 were baptized at that first speech he gave at, at, um, at Pentecost. Um, but at the same time, he was very weak-willed. Um, he got very egotistical, kind of said things compulsively where Jesus would kind of like, or the other disciples or Jews at the time would have been like, what did you just say? Like, you know, so he's very much indicative of this temperament. And I see it as very much an Augustinian spiritual type. 
um, that more aligns with this um, type of temperament. Yeah, you think of St. Peter and you think of him jumping out of the boat and being like, yeah, I'm going to walk on water, let's yeah. do this. And, and all then all of a sudden, like, what's happening? I'm sinking. <laughs> this didn't work out at all like I thought. <laughs> it's very impulsive. <laughs> impulsive nature. Um, then we have our last one, the melancholics, which are very sensitive. Um, and they have a wide... Well, they feel a wide range of emotions very, very deeply. And so they're very interesting. I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> they're more introspective than sanguines, and they often um, have to work through some intense emotional reactions. Interesting. So that's the melancholics. Yes, yeah, so melancholics, they can be very deep and thoughtful very reserved, very um, talented, creative, artistic, musical. They can commune very easily and personally with God, and they're considered like prayer warriors, very faithful friends. Um, and that's why I align them with Franciscans, is because that creative and spontaneity, um, that charismatic prayer, that personal prayer, is very indicative of this prayer type. Um, they can also be very peaceful, logical, um, problem solvers. They tend to be the more organized ones. Um, and then they don't get necessarily upset very easily. This is where I think, um, some of these disparities might come in because I know a lot of Franciscans and not all these are applying to them, but, um, <laughs> but, um, they can be very great teachers, very encouraging, um, very good at self-discipline, um, and they make lifelong friends. Um, weaknesses can be, they can, because they're more emotional and sensory, um, and personal in their, in their prayer, if we're aligning them, especially with Franciscans, they can be more moody and depressed or not forgive easily. They can, um, um, some of their weaknesses is like, sometimes they might enjoy being hurt, like enjoy the drama or the emotion of something like that. Um, sometimes they have a low self image because of that or a false sense of humility. Um, but they can, and they can sometimes often be off in another world, um, very critical of themselves or other people. Um, and sometimes too introspective. Um, and that can lead to them being more proud or more impractical or slower to make decisions um, and things like that. Yeah, so the, the person that we aligned, well, that aligns with melancholics is Mary. Mama! Uh, because she was very thoughtful and prayerful and she yes. um, kept <clears throat> so much in her heart and she reflected on those things. And um, like when, you know, with, what's that reading? Where it, Literally Mary says she all kept these things, these in, things her in her heart. And yeah. then the other one, when um, the angel greets her and she said that they, she considered these things and what the greeting must mean. Yeah. Um, so we align Mary with a melancholic. Yes. Yeah. So uh, as we said, like those those biblical figures, the temperaments and the spiritual types, they, they don't align perfectly. But that might give you kind of an open window to see like, okay, if you know scripture, you might be familiar with some of these characters. Or if you know your medieval temperament, um, or if you know what spirituality you really, um, you know, maybe you're an oblate, or maybe you're thinking about that, or maybe you really um, have worked with a great religious order that happens to be one of these four. Or you know like what prayer works for you. This whole kind of comparison that we wanted to do on this episode is really just to kind of open that door of prayer further for you. So maybe right now it's just kind of a jar or cracked open. Like maybe you're, you're just, you know, you're praying, you're figuring out what works for you. This awareness can really throw that door open more because you can dive into more of what you, um, maybe what you didn't know about yourself and things that you just, you know, probably aren't going to work. Uh, and ways you can really enter into prayer and a conversation and relationship with God that are much more fruitful. Um, yeah, and, and traditionally with the temperaments also, just to keep in mind, um, there's typically a dominant temperament that you have and there's typically a secondary <clears throat> temperament so yeah. if you're like well i don't know i lean towards this one but i also this one yeah you can fall into both and you can fall into a lot of them or you can kind of trickle down and around but yeah. um typically there's a dominant and then there's a secondary and also we have to remember that that these things are not to like confine us and keep us in a box it's to free us and um not not to limit us to but to show us like this is kind of what you'd lean towards and where you will thrive the best. Um, yeah. 
but the temperaments also, we have to remember, they don't excuse behavior. So, like, your weaknesses, you can't just say, well, I'm a melancholic. That's just how I am. <laughs> well, I'm a choleric, so I'm loud. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm sorry. It doesn't excuse your behavior. It shows you where your weaknesses are and what you need to work on and then where your strengths are and where you can really thrive. Yeah. So, do not put yourself in a box, but also do not excuse behavior that is poor behavior. <laughs> yes. Yeah. These are very, very, very dotted lines, um, yes. if anything. But hopefully it helps you in your own prayer life. And I think if you're really struggling in prayer or really want to discover how to go deeper in your prayer life, um, I think what I'm going to try and do is post like a little spiritual type assessment on our website for this um, for this particular episode that doesn't tell you what any of the types are. Like it has no headings. It just gives you the instructions mm -hmm. and how to do it. And then if you figure out what column, like column one, two, three, or four you end up in, um, you can tell us that, like comment on our episode um, on the website or on social media and be like, hey, I'm calling one. What is that? And we can let you know what your spiritual type is. People um, are like, no, I'm going to go find it. Yeah. Well, the reason is well, this assessment that we we have is, is hard to find. It's something that someone that we know created. It's not something that's readily available online. Yeah. But also, um, I want to post it on there as, um, primarily so that you don't, accidentally influence your answer by yeah. seeing what the heading is and what you might think you want to be or what is better. Um, we really want it to be just completely like anonymous. Um, so, um, yeah, that is the deal. So I'll either make, either make an online version where you can just like follow a link and take it and it'll keep it anonymous and tell you at the end, or, um, we'll put it online on our website. Um, and you can take it and then tell us which one you are and we'll let you know what spiritual type that is. But if you're struggling in prayer, you want someone to really intercede on your behalf, um, the saint that I picked for this episode is St. Teresa of Avila. She's a doctor of the church um, and a mystic, awesome saint, born March 28th in 1515 and died at 67 years old on October 4th, 10-4, uh, in 1582. However, her feast day is October 15th because... Um, at that time, they were switching from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. So the October 4th and October 15th of that year were like next to each other. And you deleted October 5th through like 14th. So I don't know if you knew this, but like October 5th through 14th in 1582 didn't happen. What? Yeah. Ghost days. So um, because they're not sure if she died that night or the next morning, they put her death day on the 4th and her feast day on the 15th because they were... Funny. Yeah. It's just a random fun fact. Um... Her patronage is she's the patron saint of those who are sick, those in religious orders, um, which is all those different spiritualities, and people who are ridiculed for their piety, for their holiness. Um, she was born Teresa Sanchez de Cepeda y Ahumada, wow. which is the coolest name ever, uh, in 1515 in Avila, Spain. If you've never been to Avila, it's a really beautiful like medieval um, city that's kind of, it still has like a moat basically around it on this big like dirt hill island that's pretty big but it's surrounded by land it's not surrounded by water but it has a, like this little moat or like river thing running around it and it's it's a really cool like medieval city so um but her father and later her were both accused by the spanish inquisition um oh, they were not convicted um and her mother wanted to raise her as a very pious christian so much so that her and her brother at age seven were caught running away to go be martyred by the moors the spanish muslims who had come up from africa um when they were when she was seven years old so like Okay. Really wanted to be holy, like super holy. Um, <laughs> so she ended up entering an Augustinian nun school and later a Carmelite convent. Um, she almost died of self-mortification, which was a practice at the time, an ascetical practice of kind of denying your flesh. Um, but she survived and she began having experiences of religious ecstasy in prayer. Um, you may have heard the story where she, um, there's a statue of the ecstasy of St. Teresa of Avila where she's praying the Our Father and she can't get past Father because that word means, you know, Daddy, Dad. And she was like in ecstasy at the fact that God would be that intimate in relationship mm. with her. Um, and so very, very prayerful and prayer oriented, relationship with God oriented woman. Um, she read a lot of the mystics and the spiritual exercises of Ignatius of Loyola. So she was an Augustinian nun or a nun school and then did the Ignatian reflections. Um, she would minister at the grill of her convent. Um, she was cloistered, uh, but people would come up to the grill and, um, and then sisters would hold her down because she was embarrassed when she was prone to levitation. <laughs> 
She was prone to levitating and she was embarrassed and would have people, hey, hold me down. I don't want people to see how holy and awesome I am. Oh my gosh. Um, her spiritual director was a Franciscan priest and he helped advise her through reforming the Carmelites and her dedication to poverty. And so, and the Carmelites, the convent she enter, entered was a very um, like traditional, very conservative, very um, reformed um, convent. And so very aligned to Thomistic things. And so I chose her because she had avenues of her life that kind of a, um, incorporated every single spiritual type that we've talked about. Um, she had a very de uh, uh, dedication to poverty um, also, which was a part in part from that spiritual direction from the Franciscan priest who was her director. Um, she died of an illness um, and um, we don't know, as I said, if it was October 4th or 15th because of that calendar thing. But I found this, um, this little prayer. It's from the bookmark of Teresa of Avila. Um, it says this, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing make you afraid. All things are passing. God alone never changes. Patience gains all things. If you have God, you will want for nothing. God alone suffices. And I think that's a really nice focus on just like God is constant and faithful. And so whatever prayer type you are, like to explore that, but but let it be centered on that deeper reliance and faith in God. Um because um, that's what she did. Um, she had a, a belief in the also the miraculous qualities of holy water. And I just think that's really cool. Like you never hear a saint say like, you know what's the best thing ever? Holy water. It's because we take it for granted all the time. Mm -hmm. It's such a simple sacramental. But she had such a big belief in how miraculous, um, you know, things could happen because of the use of holy water. Um, and I think that's a good allusion to the fact that we sometimes overcomplicate prayer um, and make it something that we worry about. And for Teresa, it was simple. She had appreciation for the simple things and simple quality of prayer. Um, just it being it's such simple intimacy with God that that alone brought her to these moments of ecstasy. So um, as for her intercession, um, think about what your prayer type might be. Follow us on social media at Amana Food for Thought. Is that our full <laughs> thing on Instagram? Yes, yeah. yeah. It's different than Twitter. Um, so on Instagram, you can find all this on our website. Just go to manafoodforthought.com. You can find everything there. And please, if you haven't yet, please rate and review um, our podcast. It helps other people find it. And share this episode or another episode that you've liked with someone that you think could benefit from it. We love to see um, it on social media. Like if you take a screenshot that you're listening, post it on your story. Uh, if you have suggestions for episodes for us. If you have comments or feedback or follow-up questions, we'd, we'd love to hear those and do follow-up episodes or Q&A episodes um, with your feedback. So please, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we should start just reading all the feedback we get because we do get feedback. I get texts and in-person yeah. feedback and emails all the time. So we're going to start um, reading some of those on air, I think, um, so that you know that um, you guys are cool. we're actually reading them and we actually will address them and take them into account. And keep in mind, you can become a supporter of our podcast for as little as a dollar a month by going to our website and clicking on the Patreon button. Um, but until next time, thank you for listening, and we will see you in the Eucharist. Night. Bye. Bye.